I waste my time you're running through my mind, but it doesn't matter to you. I call you up, do you wanna go out? What do you wanna do? But you say no, you don't wanna go out, so I get drunk all by myself. I don't know why I care so much when you're not here. So I listen to MTS and drink another Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Matt Nick Show podcast. You guessed it. I'm your host, Marvelous Matt Nix, here uh, just laying in my bed. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for uh, pirating this episode. I'm sure nobody's pirating this episode, but uh, yeah, this week's episode we have... Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Chicago stand-up comic, Dave Lasso. Dave's a very interesting guy. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of great stories about his time in uh, the stand-up comedy scene and, you know, being, uh, being a fan of professional wrestling as well. So uh, it was a great interview with uh, good old Dirty Dave. Uh, let's just jump right into this right now. Yeah. yeah, just uh, it's like I don't know if it's. I think it was on the phone already when I got yeah. it, but yeah, it's just uh. So what if you can record straight into the GarageBand app too? Um, like edit it and shit. Probably, I think there's probably a way to do it like yeah. that. But like for me at least, it's easier to just do it on here and then I just airdrop it straight onto my Mac yeah. and then edit it um through GarageBand on there. Which sometimes GarageBand's a pain in the ass. Like yeah. it's if, like if you don't know how to use it correctly, yeah. like I do. Or I don't. Uh, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I haven't used it in a while. It used to be super easy. Like the the more basic versions of mm. GarageBand was like <coughs> stupid easy to use. But now it's like updated and it's like, oh, you can do cooler shit. It's like, yeah, yeah but now I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But cool shit's for nerds. <laughs> cool shit is for nerds. So how are you feeling, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. Is this it? Uh, I'm good. Good man, good feeling, good feeling it's great, pretty good. You're alive, we're all alive, we're alive. Um, home, well, I'm not home, I'm in your home, but uh, <laughs> I'm home though. This is home to everyone, though. yeah. This is everyone lives in at, at Matt Nix's house, <laughs> at, at the Matt Nix house. At one point or another, some somebody is home here, hell yeah. Um, yeah, so we don't, we, really get, we didn't really get any, uh, questions or topics, and I'm, I'm the worst at doing this podcasting bullshit, because, uh, I was on top of it for, like, the first couple weeks, and then I was, like, the, the last two weeks have been, like, shit, I need to find somebody, like, to be my guest, like, this weekend, recording the day before, because that's just the way I am, um, yeah, that's all I think I'm gonna be when I have my baby, <laughs> I'm gonna be like hell yeah! I'm gonna be like gung ho, and then three weeks in, I'm be like I left him at the store. Shit, the baby! Everything's gonna be like, oh, I can't even imagine. Oh boy, well, that's a good thing to segue into. You're gonna be a dad. Yeah, hope <laughs> right. Anyone who's concerned, that was not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you should be scared. Yeah, I'm gonna have a, I'm having a baby. 
and our due date's 9-11. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I don't know why we laugh. Like, I laugh. This- we both laugh. My fiance is a, a comedian, too. So we were, uh, we both, you have to laugh at 9-11. I don't know if you knew that when you're a comedian. Uh, 9-11 is hilarious. Uh, and uh, so we both, we both laughed. We were getting our first ultrasound, and they told us our due date was 9-11. And we just both uncontrollably laughed, and our doctor was just like, oh, is that funny? And we were like, <laughs> oh, no, like, I don't understand. Like, really. <laughs> I mean, you know. Aside from the obvious. Yeah, but... Um, they told it was funny too because uh, our second ultrasound had changed to like a week earlier. But then she was like, "No, she's like it, but it says it a week earlier on the screen, but it's still the same." Like I think she like thought we really want it to be on nine eleven now, <laughs> so which I do, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, we're do, we're gonna take nine eleven back for my baby. Hell yeah, yeah, dude. Ter- don't let the terrorists win. Yeah, or George Bush, depending right. on, depending yeah, on what I'm you like, believe. Uh, Dick Cheney and the Saudis win. Yeah, they're teaming up. Um, so yeah, you're a com- your stand-up com- comic in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, this in is when parts, I in, in parts elsewhere. In parts unknown. Yeah. This is where I segue into uh, official interviewer. Uh, if you can't tell by my my <laughs> silky smooth transitions, <laughs> there. He's got a clipboard. Uh, he's wearing a tie. Uh, no pants. No pants at all. I don't wear pants in my house. Uh, I don't wear. Pa- I don't own pair of pants. No actually. pants in this tojo. Yeah, I'm looking around. No pants in Nick's. There's Nick's, no pants. There's literally a sign on the wall that says no pants allowed. Um, the Nick's dojo. No, no pants. No mercy. <laughs> no pants. No mercy. No rules. Just right. Uh, so, because I don't even think I've ever asked you this. Like, how? Like, what got you started doing stand up? Like, uh, did you just have, like, a day where you're just like, you know what, I'm going to try this? Or was it, like, always something that you kind of just were around? Priest fingered me. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, no uh, actually, though, there's a, f- a funny story about that. Uh, priest actually fingered me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, guys, a, a priest fingered me. No, uh, no I, uh, when I was a kid, um, I always liked stand-up. Um, my dad really liked comedy, or really likes comedy. My dad's alive. Um uh, and uh, that's a rub it in <laughs> to anybody who doesn't have a dad. Um, but um, he was always really into comedy, and um, so I started seeing like comedy, like stand up, pretty early on in my childhood. So like I saw like Eddie Murphy, Raw and Delirious, like wait, like we call my aunt Bunny, um, Bunny because it's of a like a Eddie Murphy joke. So like oh, really? we called her that since we were like a kid, and, like so it's like weird, like. So I, I was exposed to stand up and stuff pretty, and then SNL pretty early. Because I mean, so when I was a kid, that was you know the night Farley days basically. Um, so I, I was really interested in it, and then, um, but I, I did on um, when I was a kid, I did a, a talent show with two of my friends. We did a sketch, and it like killed, like it did, <laughs> and uh, and we were getting off stage. And I went to a Catholic grade school. And we were getting off stage, and this priest like grabbed my arm, and he goes, "You're gonna go to hell for that." And I was like, "Whoa, all right." And then like, and then he fingers you. Yeah, and he's, like, uh, he's like, "This is what you get. Uh, this is your punishment." Uh, Did he but, really like? He he was. Mm-hmm. That's they such told me a... I was gonna go to hell. For how that. old were you? Like, uh, I think I was like eight, 
Holy nine, shit, ten, that's maybe. insane. Yeah. That, like a grown person would say that to a kid. Yeah, like, and I still don't to this day don't even know what he meant. Like what? Like because I don't. I'm pretty sure nowhere in the Bible does it say like I like don't, don't be funny. Don't make laugh, people laugh. Like that's kind of weird. So um, was there anything specific in the sketch? Like do you remember like what it? No, it was, was just about? like a. It was kind of just like a like a goofball sketch. Like there wasn't anything. I mean, we did burn a cross, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, but, uh, other than that, but, um, no, it was, uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, so that was my early, I think my earliest comedy experience, doing comedy, um, but I was just always into it, and then, um, I tried to, I tried it, like, eight, like, nine years ago, uh, at, like, an open mic out in the suburbs one time, and then, uh, a few years later, I was, like, yeah, I just I kept up with it, and I started to see like you know, more comics were talking about the process and stuff. So it was like I finally understood like, oh, that's what an open mic is. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I like wanted to do stand up. I just didn't know how like what how you did it or how you got good at it. So that's a lot of people's story. That's a very boring origin story, but uh, <laughs> that's why I tried to go with the fingering thing. But um, that's a good. Uh, gripping uh intro yeah but i did it and at the time my uh ex uh that i was my the girl girl i was dating at the time was like really into stand-up uh, and as a fan and so when i was like hey you know i i was thinking about trying to do stand-up she was really supportive of it and then uh that led to our the destruction of our relationship <laughs> uh so it's her fault uh, I don't. I don't take any responsibility for it. She caused it all. Uh, no, but um, uh, yeah. So I just uh, the that that. So this you know the second time around, you know, trying it, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I want to do this, and uh, I got. I think more so because I got to see more of the sh- the comedy scene, the actual comedy scene. Uh, versus going to like a coffee shop and this like mixed open mic where like none of the musicians wanted to stand up to be happening but uh it was like cool i got to see more of it so i got to learn more you know and then at the time like there was like shitty websites that always had like the wrong information on it angel fireside yeah like open mics and stuff but um you know if you were like cool like comics would tell you like oh you know this is where like this you know hey you know there's this other mic on like wednesday night you know you should check it out or whatever and that's kind of how i met some of like the people who i'm still like my oldest friends in comedy and stuff um from kind of like being like hey you seem like not a piece of shit or the right type of piece of shit yeah uh so come hang out at my open mic too you know and then we just all you know tell you kind of like just and so I got engrossed in it and started doing the road and kind of just got hooked on it, hooked in it. Hooked on comedy. Comedy is your drug of choice. Yeah. Among other things, but. Uh. <laughs> comedy and poppers, like a loose bottle. <laughs> yeah, that's from the priest. Hell yeah. Um, you also, you, you, were, you were in a band for mm-hmm. for a while, how long how long were you doing that? What was the, uh, what was the name of the band? I feel like I, I was in a I was in a couple of hardcore bands. I was in a band called Murder in E Minor. And I was in another band called Crisis at Little Rock. Oh, and I was in a grindcore band called um, Peter Francis Geraci as well. 
<laughs> this is uh, called Peter Francis Yeah, Jackson. we got our MySpace taken down like three times. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Yeah, it was great. And, um... Yeah, I was in yeah, I was in hardcore bands for like a few years uh, after high school. I did a little bit of stuff like in high school, but um, my first like serious band was like as I was graduating high school. I, I joined this band to be their singer, and then uh, we uh, we I was like actually the first time I like ever went on the road and stuff was from that. So those are my early experiences of touring, which I think prepared me for stand up. Because I tour very much the way uh, like a band, like an indie band would. Mm-hmm. Um, you just know, hitting just, it hard. Yeah, going everywhere, and you know, you do a lot of like random shows for not a lot of money and stuff, <laughs> and it's a lot of like staying at people's houses. Like I've had a Sounds lot of like bands. Sounds like wrestling. Yeah, yeah, bands, wrestling, <coughs> and uh, stand up. I think all kind of it's it's just that they're all you know, derivatives of the yeah they're derivatives of the carny lifestyle. So it's just kind of. They all, I mean, not all, com- like, the thing is, like, well, I mean, wrestling, too, obviously, I mean, it's, like, the WWE, it's not as, like, that crazy, is shitty. you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a comedy, not, but even, like, at, like, the indie level of comedy, there's people who still don't even do that stuff, you know, so, like, there's even different they get paths, taken care of. you know, some people, well, not necessarily they get taken care of, but, you know, some people just, you know, they get into clubs right away and, you know, they get, you know, they do it that way or, you know, whatever opportunity they get. And I was just kind of like restless of just waiting for opportunities here. And I was like, I'll just go everywhere else. So So they're like, I know like, so in wrestling, there's like different levels. Like, you know, there's like, there's the indie level, Mm -hmm. which is like kind of where I'm at. And there's like upper tier indies and there's like WWE and then, you know, yeah, and then, then there's the shindies, which is yeah. like below everything. But oh, yeah. is there sh- is there shindy comedy? Oh yeah, well there's Would that like, be like open mics then maybe like it, well no because open mics are like every you have to that's that's, just, that's part of the process so mm-hmm. that's your training and stuff. But you know, um, but in a way, I mean, obviously you learn from doing shows too. So you like, but. Um, there's not, I guess, as, as a clearly defined thing. More so, just because um, success in stand-up can mean different things depending on what you want out of sure. it, and uh, or just and, and also the end game too. Um, but like, and also the way that success is changing, and the way comedy, and the way you can be successful in comedy is changing now. Like, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people, their end goal is to be on TV, but, you know, not everyone who does stand-up wants to be an actor, so that's not everybody's goal is to be on, like, have, like, an HBO show, but some people want to be writers, like, I wanted to be a writer, like, mm-hmm. if that was, like, but even then, like, those aren't even, those jobs, those just become jobs you got because of stand-up, that's not even, you're not even really doing stand-up then, so, like, it's, and I love the actual art of doing stand-up, so, like, my goal was always to just be able to make doing stand-up my job, you know, and people do that by doing the road. I mean, obviously you can do it by, you know, you get a comedy special, it makes you more popular, you can get higher paying clubs, you know. Yeah. So it's, um, in a way, I was kind of doing what I, you know, like I, for, I was doing comedy, just comedy as a job for almost two years um, before I started doing my day job now. And like... 
so in a sense i was doing what my goal was which was stand-up was my job and i was made i was living off of money from stand-up but um it's a very rewarding feeling you feel, kind yeah. of feel like you're like i'm doing it <laughs> yeah, yeah i was paying my rent which was cool and uh you know and all that and but it, uh like obviously yeah it's just basically if you want to continue you want the actual like art of stand-up to be like your job i guess the goal is you know you're just getting high paying clubs or you know you end up in like doing theaters you know the way jim gaffigan does or you know mm-hmm. someone who's here or john mulaney you know when he does it he does the chicago theater dan cook dan, you know so yeah <laughs> but you know there's uh, there's got so i guess in a way there's you do kind of move up in like what kind of venues you're playing sure if that so you know, you're doing like you know, your smaller clubs, and there's some bigger clubs. You know, and then and then you get like Kevin Hart doing the United Center, exactly. Which yeah. I think I think it's weird. I think that's weird seeing a yeah, stand-up gets, comic in that big yeah. of a stadium. Yeah, that gets to like a like a, yeah like a point to, and also like fan bases like that. You also kind of like wonder, like even like some like Dave Chappelle's new specials. It's like you wonder, it's like, are they just gonna laugh at like fucking everything? Because it's, because it's Kevin Hart. Yeah. Like, they're just stoked to see Kevin Hart. You know, it's like... Not saying that either of them are, like, don't tell jokes, but I'm saying, like, they could probably fart in the microphone and everyone would give them a standing ovation at this point in their career. Because so it's like... To me, that, like... That's awesome that they're able to fucking do that. That's cool that comedy can afford you and, can like, you can do something like that, you know? Because Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy were doing that, to, you know, back in the eight, 70s and 80s and shit. So, like... Um, like, that's awesome. But to a degree, I guess maybe as a performer, I, like... That doesn't seem as fun to me. It seems like a great achievement, it's, but it doesn't seem... It's a good, seem... good way to get money, or quick money or whatever. Right. I mean, I mean yeah, obviously, I'm not going to turn my nose at the level of success where I'm doing the United Center. But, sure. You know, like, to me, though, it's way more fun to do a club with 300 people in it. And you even hear some comics who do theaters who say that, too. Like, they're, like even guys who, like you know like who do theaters try to drop in on like clubs all the time in like smaller rooms because they miss the like intimacy the con- the- yeah the intimacy and the connection like you're like got a lot of comics say like when you're doing theaters you you tell a joke and you gotta wait like usually you have your timing on your jokes but you have to wait like an extra like 30 seconds because there's gonna be like an echo and it's gonna yeah. go b- bounce back and forth to you and stuff so it's like throws it's like a whole nother level of like performing that you have to like get used to that's interesting but it's also the same way you're like always learning how to adjust so i assume you know in the way too like with wrestling i'm sure like like you know when you move to the wwe they're obviously teaching you slightly different so that you're not you know going as crazy you know they want more control over you than you are if you're like you know in an indie room doing flips and shit you know yeah they definitely they like want you to do, keep you to a certain they have like point. a style you know they have your like your death list or whatever removes mm-hmm. so like so in a way it's kind of like that you like learn to you're always kind of still learning to adjust no matter what level of success you're at i guess to a degree but even that those are little adjustments but the actual like performance i don't know I think I would just... I know I'm sounding like I'm fucking... Like, I'm like... Like, fucking... Like, I would absolutely... (laughs) I want all the money in the world. I'm about to have a baby. I want United Center money. Hell yeah. Like... But, yeah. Like, I just did... 
uh, comedy club on state in Madison, Wisconsin, which I think is like 300 people or whatever, maybe a little less than that. And that was like that room full, man, that felt like there was a thousand, a thousand people. Definitely. So Especially like if they're invested eat. in what you're doing. Totally. It's, 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 we always say that too in wrestling, like, you know, obviously we all want to wrestle in front of like 10,000 people or whatever, but like, I'll take a room of like a hundred people that sound like a thousand any yeah. day. Cause that's, those are the people that are like diehard fans and like, if they're invested, if they're just invested in what you're doing, it makes everything that you're doing that much more enjoyable. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, as long as, yeah, the, the feeling is it's like, you know, its own thing and like in a way you shouldn't tie it to, uh, quantifiers and things like that. I think a lot of comedy, a lot of people try to throw quantifiers on it. It makes things difficult or more complex than it needs to be. But, uh, Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the show, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm going. But uh, so you've been doing you've been doing stand up for how long now? Um, can like consistently, basically like the last it was like five years. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'm 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 really lucky. Like I am lucky because I've I've gotten a lot of opportunities. A lot of people who have done it for twice as long as me haven't gotten you know or mm-hmm. like i've done or like and i think it was because i owe a lot of that to going on the road very early um like i started doing road stuff probably maybe i was like a year into comedy like paying your dues yeah and like going up like with like local guys who like wanted or like you know I'll, I'll like a venue will be like hey we want you to come out but you know you're you just do like eight minutes drive up with the guy who's headlining or whatever so we can get a look at you so like you know that's why i started doing that going to like milwaukee and stuff going to like little college towns and doing like little college bars um then you start getting better opportunities but those though like doing the road so much like helped me grow so rapidly um and part of it was because I was seeing the more and more I was doing it, I was seeing more and more uh, like different crowds. So I was like learning how to perform for a lot of different types of people uh, versus I think when you just stick around in one place, sometimes you don't realize how different some places the crowds can be and stuff. And um, sometimes you get, you put yourself in a bubble and you don't realize. So I, I, I think I got kind of uh Advance kind of quick. If I'm gonna to toot my own horn a little bit, yeah, toot out, toot away. But um, yeah, it's about five years or five years, or now like over five years. I think probably like five and a half. And uh, breaking into like the comedy scene in Chicago, like um, who were who were some guys or girls that uh, kind of mentored you, so to speak, or or kind of like gave you like like you said like certain comics would like smarten you up on like hey this is where the good places are to go like this is the good mics to go to and stuff you know really a lot of that was like i mean no one really mentored mentored me um like well early on like there's a comic mike makings he's out in arizona now um he ran a like a really good mic that was like the mic that i really felt like i cut my teeth in it was like in this dive bar like a block, it was right by the empty bottle in Chicago. Um, and sometimes it would be packed. Sometimes there'd be like eight people and five of them would be bar regulars and they'd want to fight you. 
So you learn, you like would encounter so many different kinds of crowds in there, depending on the, the week. So it was like, we learned a lot from that room and like, um, and then through that, like me and my, like my, um, like my best buddy, like, uh, Jason Melton, like comedy, he, we like learned early together early on. Like, and then we started to figure out those other places. Um, Marty DeRosa definitely like helped me get some opportunities. Um, he definitely got like, got me into like the laugh factory and stuff when I, uh, I think I kind of like didn't focus on the laugh factory the way a lot of other people did because that, that's like kind of a goal for a lot of people here and mm-hmm. i was doing the road so much that and then like i did like i was working full time when i was home that i just kind of like didn't really focus on the process of doing that and so i he kind of got me an opportunity to actually kind of like just go in and do my stuff in front of them like on a like a real show versus going through like the open mic process at the club and stuff so like he kind of helped me out and and I, I learned a lot from watching like like comics like Sean Flannery, um, and then uh, but really like not really locally. I mean, the comic I probably learned the most from is uh, my buddy Sam Talent, who's uh, from Denver. Uh, he lives in Vegas now, but he's going back to Denver. But he's been on like Comedy Central um, and uh, Vice Land and stuff. But he's been doing it for. We're the same age, but he's, he's been doing it for, you know, almost twice as long as me. He feels like my older brother. <laughs> so he, like, you know, I definitely learned so much about the road, handling crowds, um, you know, trusting your instincts on stage, things like that, you know, that that I really, yeah. I mean, as much as, like, I like um, Chicago, and I, I definitely, like, starting here definitely helped, Um like I definitely learned the most from the road, and like from other people on the road. I think. Absolutely, and again, like bringing it back to like wrestling and stuff. It's it's the the parallels are like insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with, with wrestling, like you could you could grow and be you know the big fish in the small pond, you know, in staying in your area. But mm-hmm. like the way that you learn and you grow and you you know, make yourself and figure, basically figure out who you are as a performer, like is by traveling on the road and, 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 and going to different towns, wrestling in front of different crowds, like different styles, like, mm-hmm. you know, specific, specifically for wrestling. It's like, if you, you know, in the Midwest compared to the East coast compared to like in the South, it's like completely different crowds. Like they, they, uh, expect a different style or they they're used to a different thing they react to different things that you know it's it's kind of cool it's cool to see that and and like like you said i'm sure it's the same for comedy too like jokes that get over here might Mm -hmm. not get over somewhere else and so you got to kind of like you know work your shit together to kind of figure out what like would be your like overall bread and butter yeah really uh i really learned um like what everywhere I think has in common but also like saying that like i'd also like you know because there are some comics and you know like kind of road hacky comics who kind of like pander or whatever you know and like i i never like try to like approach it that way where i'm like what's the lowest common denominator to get everybody to laugh it's more like i'm like what is what do a lot of people relate to no matter what 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned, you know, but also just in certain air, like parts of the country and stuff, you see like certain places, what they think are funny, like is surpri- you'd be surprised where you are depending, you know, like there's stuff in the South, people in the South and you kind of expect them to be kind of backwards. But a lot of, there's a lot of people are, are, can, are, there's a lot of progressive people still in the South, especially people who I think who go to see stand up. Um, and, uh, but also it's still like, you know, the challenge of, you know, but you meet like conservatives everywhere, you know, every, you, everyone is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't realize it as much like, like until you're kind of like out all over and meeting different people and being, getting in front of different crowds of people like that. You, it's like, it's definitely, you know, yeah, it helps you know, you're like not obviously you know not the cliche not judge a book but not even so much as that is uh um like just go not having expectations going in i think helps helps you better be a better performer yeah absolutely um so you mentioned you know performing you know in front of like crowds where you know some of them are just bar locals that like want to fight you mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> Tell me about some some times you've been heckled, or you know what are what are some like ways that you specifically deal with hecklers, and like what is? I would love to hear something of like a time where a heckler like may have gotten not like, not gotten the better of you, but like you're kind of just like all right, I, I I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, well, not I mean, I've luckily not, I haven't had too too many bad i mean i've had like enough bad experiences but like especially not as much anymore i'm lucky now where a lot most most of the time the shows that i'm doing now are shows where i generally don't have to worry about that um that's definitely something you you have to worry about more i think starting out when you're doing a lot of these like shitty bar shows where they don't tell the people at the bar that there's going to be a show you know or like there's no separate room or no cover or anything, so it's like those people are gonna be could be pissed, you know. So you deal a lot, a lot with that. So I dealt with that a lot early on here in Chicago. Like I've actually probably dealt with that more and had more nightmare gigs in Chicago than I've had anywhere else. Um, you know, like and I've gone to some pretty like random places and people expect like oh probably middle of Tennessee or whatever. The Muscle Shoals, Alabama. That's probably pretty crazy, right? And I'm like, no, they were great, you know. But then, like, I go to fucking do a show in Lakeview, you know, and it's a bunch of bros who can't handle the fact that the attention's not on them, you know, and then they get pissed off. So it's like, yeah, most of the time, like nightmare shit I dealt with was here. So if anything, it was like, it's a retreat to get out on the road and meet (laughs) people who know how to behave at a comedy show or just in general in life. so, um, but yeah, I mean, I've had the worst to me with heckling. I can deal if someone's being a dipshit because usually what I do with my strategy is to slow them down. A lot of times it's making you make them repeat what they're said, what they said. <laughs> yeah, I think you didn't hear them, and then they sound like an idiot, and then it gives the audience another chance to hear what they said and laugh at them for being an idiot. Um, and it gives you an extra second to you know. To, find a rebuttal or, yeah, or whatever but there's some things are and some things are instant you know obviously but uh um the worst is just when they're just disruptive to the, where it's stopping you from like 
doing the word the worst one the one that like one of those that pissed me off the most was i was doing a show where the crowd wasn't the best but there were enough people that were like really good and then some people were shitheads and i was on like my last bit and it's like a kind of a longer story and there's like a punchline right at the end of the story and uh i was like and there's a little bit of a build-up like right at the end like a little quick little build up and then the punchline and i was right at the end of this like long-winded like i'd say a bunch of shit at once and this dude just yells out right when i'm about to say the punchline and it just like threw everything off and i just said i think i just said like i think i yelled like i was like why would you do i was like that was uh that was i was just about to say the punchline I was like, you want to know what the punchline is? Is I hope your parents die, and like, and then I got off stage because like that was all I think of was I told the guy I hope his parents yeah, die. Well, yeah, he's a piece of shit for fucking ruining your your bit. Like, but yeah, I yeah, luck. Luckily, it's not so much anymore. Um, you get a lot of the times uh, is more um, people who are just like overly enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and those people are like fine to a degree. I can't. You don't want to get mad at those people because um, you don't want to look like a jerk. You know, because you don't know how the rest of the crowd is seeing those people. You know, usually drunk white women is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, so like, especially like older drunk white ladies. You know, they love to get involved, but not necessarily malicious. But they don't realize that they might be. You know interrupting or causing you they're, they're just out having a good time they're having a good time a little too much and some crowds want those people to shut the fuck up and they want the comic to shut them up but some crowds like they get a little weird if you go after somebody you know so it's all different with the crowd and you know and sometimes when it's just someone having too much of a good time the crowd doesn't want to see you go after them because they're not being a dick they're just being stupid mm-hmm. you know so that can ice a crowd then and make it weird. So you got to be kind of selective. I was never a fan of like I hate the like comedian destroys heckler things. Those are, those are stupid. They're they're canned for one. Like they're all like fucking. They wait until the end of the show and they tell everybody to yell shit out while they're all drunk and then the dude's like completely sober and he's just like shooting fish in the barrel. It's not in the moment like at all. Like when they do shit like that, and then when they put those fucking videos out, that's what people think stand up is. Then, and then these dumbasses come to the show thinking they're supposed to heckle, because you'll get every once in a while where people will be like, "Oh, oh I'm helping. I was helping it. You know, I was making. You know, I was giving you something to work off yeah. of." And it's like I had shit to work off of in my fucking. That's not. Head, yeah, it's not your job. Yeah, and I, when I started comedy, and people would say that, like I would hear other comics say that. I thought I didn't think that people were seriously said that shit. I thought comics were joking. I'm like, no one is that stupid. And then I met fucking met someone. People. I met tons of people <laughs> who thought that they because those because those people are also the people who will come up to you after the show and want to talk to you and not even realizing that they were being an asshole. Yeah, you know. So and then they'll be like, oh, you know, it's like great, you know, and then. Then you gotta figure, is this my job now to fucking lecture this dumbass, you know, after the show in the fucking lobby while I'm trying to sell merch, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, it's a lot of, you know, just, you learn in the business what, what to just, you know, fucking just let, you know, simmer or whatever. But, for the most part, I've had good luck shutting people down. Hell yeah. 
They don't want none of this shit. Yeah. They don't want none, they don't want none of this chair, man. Yeah, no one ever. <laughs> For those who don't know, my, my wrestling gimmick, chair, man. Oh, yeah. we got to we got to talk about Chairman. Yeah, but, but continue talk, your thought. Let's talk about, yeah, that's, yeah, let's talk about Chairman. Talk about Chairman, <laughs> the, the legend. Of, want, yeah. No, definitely Chairman. Chairman deserves all kinds of all kinds of mentions of, at all time. Yeah, man. Uh, chairman, uh, he's a man made of chairs. Uh, <laughs> he's a man completely strapped with chairs. Uh, that's, his, that's his that's his whole deal. He comes out, unfortunately, because he's strapped with chairs. Uh, anytime he gets into a match, he's all instant disqualification as soon as he hits the <laughs> other guy. Because uh, you know you're not allowed to hit somebody with a chair. Um, he's uh, he's made of metal. He's made of metal, but, but he's, he's got a heart of gold, which, which is, is also, also a metal. Also <laughs> metal. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know he's got his move set. He's got the you know the walls of Cherico, uh, the reclining wizard. Fuck, there was um, so many. Yeah, there's um, a lot. Uh, oh, go to seat. Go to seat. Yeah. Uh, which is where he just put, opens a folding chair and just throws the guy onto it instead <laughs> of kicking him. Uh, and then, um, yeah, there's a you know there's there's a lot of them. We're out there. Two seat me, bro. Yeah, we're doing two seat. You can't see it right now. It's basically just two sweet upside down. Um, I dare Vince McMahon to sue me for that. <laughs> I dare you. Um, hell yeah, dude, chairman. Though I'm just telling you right now, if you're out there and you want you're running you're running a wrestling company and you want to put a title on a real wrestler, put it on chairman. You want to put it on the stupidest thing that I've ever thought of before, <laughs> and really add some prestige to your title. Just fucking call, talk to me, chairman. I'll come out. I'll make you all sit. Yeah. Make you sit down and be humble. He is the whole front row. I am the entire front row. Fuck. So, yeah. So, obviously, uh, goofy wrestling character, but you are also a huge wrestling fan as well. Yeah. Uh, Talk about growing up wrestling like what was your who was your guy who was your like what, what was your earliest mem- memory of wrestling um i was a big people make fun of me for i was a big uh, wcw mark hell yeah same here um because uh part of it was because during the attitude it was during the attitude era so the monday night wars era like um since like when wwf got more popular um all of the like parent groups and like all the like you know watch out for your kids watching wrestling oh yeah they would always talk about wwf like they would show like pictures of stone cold and like sable and shit and they would never talk about wcw so my mom thought that wcw was like family friendly even <laughs> she had no idea that it was like <laughs> it was just way as worse. it was way grosser like and not as cool it was like it was like just as gross but not as cool yeah so it was it was like your friend who like like whenever you find a porno and all your friends are like yeah let's watch it like WCW was your friend that tries to jerk off in front of everybody like, <laughs> you're like alright dude you're doing, taking it too far like but uh, I loved WCW though I think it was just cause they, I, in my opinion they got like way they had way better wrestlers or not way better all the time but they had a lot of really cool like wrestlers they I had loved the cruiserweight Rey division yeah, <laughs> I, the cruiserweight division they had dudes from Japan like I was a big I loved Rey Mysterio and you know, when I was a kid so like and I was a big Raven guy cause they like he did all that you know before 
But um, and then I also I was stupid and liked Goldberg. Dude, I loved Goldberg too. But every kid fucking loved Goldberg. He was dude. just like, yeah, Goldberg. Like, yeah, this dude's unstoppable. And it was like, all you have to tell a kid is this guy's undefeated. Every every eight year old boy is obsessed with being undefeated at everything. <laughs> yeah. So if you tell this huge dude that can tackle everybody, like, oh yeah, this guy's undefeated. You guys are like, yeah, this guy's cool as hell. Of course, this guy's undefeated, even and, though they just told us that. And his his finishing move was it wasn't anything intricate or it was literally just him. Running through the person yeah. and then picking him up and throwing and him throwing down. him straight down. Yeah, like, it's like it was the mo- it was the manly he was the manliest wrestler yeah, in, the, in like the nineties. Yeah, and he just ran through people, and then um, and then when I did get to watch WWF, like I love Stone Cold and, and The Rock, um, and then NDX. But it was like weird going back and like I was like, why did I really? Because like now going back, I don't know why I like DX. Cause like I was just like they're I don't know. I mean at the time it was like edgy. Yeah. But like now you're just like look at these fart I liked, jokes. <laughs> I liked Road Dog and Jesse or uh, and, not Road Dog and Jesse Road Dog and Billy. Uh, like I was like more into those. Like I didn't really like Triple H that much. I never was a Triple H guy. Yeah, I think it was just weird. Cause I uh, I just well cause like also cause then they had him with the McMahons and shit so I was just like oh fuck all these guys like, yeah so it was like and that kind of bummed me out too was like the DX kind of went along with that stuff mm-hmm. at that at one point you know like so it was just like oh like DX these guys are supposed to be like cool and they're just like stooges yeah they're just like stu- they're just yeah it sucked but um I don't know. Wrestling sucks. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, wrestling does suck. No. Uh, very much. Yeah, and then I watched it with, like, at that time, and then I was, like, watching it with, like, like kids, like kids at school and stuff, but then that was, like, also around the, around the time I started getting, like, bullied at school. So, like, all the kids who I watched wrestling with, I, like, didn't hang out with anymore, so, like, no one watched, like, no one would watch it, and then, like, I kind of stopped watching it after a while. Um... And then, like, started watching it again a bit in, like, high school. But I got more into it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Especially because from comedy, like, every fucking comedian is into wrestling. Hell so, yeah. like, That's it awesome. was just, like, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I started watching it again. I was like, oh, yeah, I like this a lot. And it was, like, cool to have something that, uh, to, like, like, I'm a sports fan, too. But, like, even the past couple of years has been, like, hard to, like, with some sports. Like, like it was, like, hard to watch the NFL this year for some reason. And then, like, I mean, I'll always love baseball, but it was, like, cool to have something else to be excited about. Mm-hmm. Where I was, like, and be invested in. Especially because, like, at the time I had moved back. Uh, I moved to Denver for a little bit and moved back. And I was just living at home. Um, so I was, like, wow, this is the first time I have a TV in my room in, like, ten years and like so I'm gonna and so I just was like started watching wrestling again more and more because I was like I had all this time and especially and then on the road too Mm -hmm. just got way like back into it and then um yeah I like wish I well I guess I didn't really miss much from like some of the time that I didn't watch it yeah but like when I was in high school like we would watch me and my friends would watch like random like ECW like DVDs and stuff so like so I got to see like all like Mick Foley stuff and Tommy Dreamer and all those dudes. Hell yeah! And then I got to see Raven because it was cool. Because like when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, I love Raven and WCW. So it was like cool to like watch, see like I was like, oh yeah, WC like Raven does like hardcore matches. Like he hits people with stop signs too. Like hell yeah! Hell yeah, dude! Raven, 
Raven's an interesting fellow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was. I think I was when I was a kid. I think I liked Raven because he was like all grungy and shit, and I was like, yeah, he was Nirvana in, in personified. Yeah, and I was like the dirty kid at school, so I was like, oh, he's cool. And he always was like, seemed like, he's like, why doesn't anybody like me? Like, you know, what about Raven? Like, what about me? You know, so it was like, was like yeah, what about that. this guy? You know, so I kind of <laughs> like, I, I was like, yeah, I like this dude. I, like, I identified with him. And then he crucified Sandman and some priest <laughs> grabbed him as he was leaving the ring and was like, you're going to hell. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> um, real quick before we, we end, I wanted to talk about spare parts. Oh, yeah. Because we I we didn't even talk about that, but that's something that you do. Yeah, I've been um, I booked the comedy portion of it with uh, it's these shows that I've been doing with um, Ryan Young from Off with Their Heads, uh, which is a really awesome punk man. Uh, that you, if you don't know them, you should. And uh, we uh, we started we did it, it's basically we do these shows uh, not every month, but we've been doing them the past couple months. Um, where it's comedy and music mixed together. Um, so we, like, I, I pick some, like, really good comedians. Ryan picks some awesome bands, and then we do a show together. So, like, but we, we just did, like, a couple big ones, a couple, like, a month in February with, uh, we had Ben Roy from uh, True TV's Those Who Can't. Uh, he's in this comedy group, The Grawlicks. Um, he's also in a punk band, so he his band came out, and he did stand-up. Oh, cool. And then it was, uh, we had like off with their heads, Ron both nights, the bull weevils run a night. And this guy, Seth Anderson from Canada, who's like a singer songwriter who was fantastic. And then we just had, uh, comedians on, um, and like, it was a cool mix. Uh, so we're trying, we're doing more of them. Uh, we just did another one, um, at G man tavern where I run a show every Monday night. Um, it was like the after party for propaganda and like we're doing one in April. It's like the after party for the Lawrence Arms because uh, G-Man Tavern's next to the Metro. Um, so it's kind of like the place people go after shows at the Metro. So like it's going to be, we're kind of like tying them together. But yeah, like Ryan's been picking some really awesome bands and uh, it's been cool to like put some of my favorite comics in front of different crowds. That's really cool. And it's like two things that you love. You love music, you love comedy. Yeah, it was awesome. I got to crowd surf. Uh, both, <laughs> yeah. both shows because we did in February because we did one night at the Brower House in Lombard nice which you know there's like a thousand seater which I had no idea that there was a bigger room it's crazy yeah I've only been there for shows in in the, like the restaurant area and I'm like man this place kind of sucks because it's so small <laughs> yeah you know you walk through like because there's like, like an arcade like room and then you have to walk through another door and there's like a little lobby. It's like it's crazy. You like wouldn't even know um, when you walk into the restaurant, but it's really cool. We did it. And I uh, um, went off with their heads. We're playing. They're like their last song. Me and Ben like ran into the crowd and crowd surfed. Someone's got a picture of me on top of Ryan from off with their heads. Hell yeah, that's got to be on a shirt. Yeah, and then uh, the next night we did the Liars Club in Chicago, which is way smaller it's like whole we've sold it was sold out and it was like i think it holds like 96 people so it was like completely packed and uh when uh ben was getting off stage uh from his set i was emceeing that show uh he like picked me up and threw me into the crowd yeah so that i crowd surfed again so two nights in a row crowd surfing as every 31 year old man should fuck yeah and you know what we we can announce this right now 
if you want. September well, in September we're gonna we're yeah we're gonna try to team up and do a uh, wrestling, music, and comedy. Uh, kind of piggyback off of uh, the Riot Fest weekend. Uh, the, there's no like actual details yeah, <laughs> around, yeah. surrounding it yet. Although I've I've I've, cool. I've reached out to a couple uh, wrestling talents that uh, either haven't been in freelance in a while or haven't been there before, and they're dope dudes. Yeah, and we're, that, I'm uh, talking to some really good comedians, um, and uh, we're hopefully going to get some some really good bands out for it too. It'll be cool, and uh, so yeah, definitely. I feel like that's going to be the most fun, yeah. like ever. Hell like, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited yeah. to do I'm, something like that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I like to. Uh, the, um, there's a show in Denver called Lucha Libre and Laughs that does comedy and wrestling. And, uh, like, I was, like, always curious if that would work. But that And, you mm-hmm. know, they, they do an amazing job. If you're ever out in Denver, definitely go out to see them. And, uh, like, so it's cool. And, like, and then from spare parts, I learned, like, it is possible to get... Because I always thought, like, music and comedy together was death, you know. So, like, we've learned, though, how to think how to do it together from doing this show. So, uh, and we're still kind of, like, learning, like, some things, but... Um, so I kind of, it'd be cool. I kind of want to see all three together and, you know, and see how they all work and make some crazy entertainment child. Yeah. <laughs> or everybody will kill us with chairs. Either way, we're going down. Yeah. I mean, you can't kill me with chairs cause I'll just absorb You're made chairs. of chairs. It'll I'm just make you yeah. uncharable. <laughs> oh man. So, um, before we cut out of this, uh, is there any anything you want to plug? Anything last that you want to talk about? Or um, yeah, I mean, uh, the next spare parts is April twelfth um, at G Man Tavern. Um, if you're like out of out of town, um, I got some. I'm going to be in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, at Buck and Honey's on April eleventh. It's two shows. Um, I'll be in at the back line in Omaha on June 9th in the zoo bar in Lincoln, Nebraska, June 10th. I'm doing the comedy bar 420 weekend with my buddy Sam Talent, Comedy Bar Chicago. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to be in Kansas City, Missouri, and Weston, Missouri, uh, June 28th and June 29th. But uh, you can go to, I have a website, it's davelosso.tumblr.com, because I can't afford uh, <laughs> the $2 a month it is to have a website. And uh, you can go there. I, I, have, I put my dates on there. Um, I'm at Dave Lasso on all the social media, too. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I update pretty, I'm out, I'm out on the road as much as I can. Um, so, yeah, especially now that the weather's getting better and stuff. But, um, yeah, you'll see me out on the road. Uh, I'll be down at WrestleCon, uh, WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans, hanging out doing WrestleCon stuff for pro wrestling tees, and oh yeah, and then I'll be uh, performing at the Dragons Den Friday night. Dragons Den. So that'd be pretty cool. So uh, let's have a beer to sweet me. To seat you. To seat me. Don't too sweet me. Los Angobernables knuckle tap me. That's Hell pretty, yeah. That's cool. Are you? You nerds don't know about that. You gotta do the eye thing too. Yeah, do the eye thing, especially if you're a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, well, the world, let's get the hell out of here, yeah. and we'll uh, fade into some uh, some good music right now. Let's so. fade to black. Fade to, uh, I'll, you want me to play uh, fade yeah, to black? Play that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Play the Alistair Black theme song. Let's do I it. I saw some dude going hard on NXT to that, like, last week. If you watch, go, like, three weeks ago, I think, on, like, NXT, three or four weeks ago from this recording on NXT, whenever the last time Alistair Black had a match... It's just the way the crowd's lit. There's a dude just in the background, just fucking going like Fred Durst <laughs> in like a Limp Biscuit video, like when yeah. he's by himself yelling at the this. Anytime he's rapping at like the camera by himself, just this dude just going hard, singing all the lyrics to Alistair Black's entrance song, just behind Alistair Black. So like, God, just killing any sinister, cool fucking momentum of this intro on camera. That's amazing. This is this dude in a fucking football jersey? Just like singing along with this hard fucking hardcore fuck. song. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look at that up. All right. Mm-hmm.